Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. My name is Joe Marcellina, and for the next half hour, we'll be talking some NHIA football with this week's guest, Mr. Sean Sendall from ESPN New Hampshire. Uh, first, let me remind you that we record this show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. You can join us uh, for our next show next week uh, by coming down to Riverside and hanging out. Or if you want to be a part of the show, you can send us an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And don't forget that every show will be up on the website, uh, nh-highschoolsports.com, every Thursday morning. Or you can listen to it on libsyn.com or in iTunes. Uh, enough of that. Let's join our guest. Uh, Sean, how are you? Joe, I really appreciate this. This is the first time I can say that I didn't invite you to my <laughs> show. You invited me to yours. I know. Yours. This, is a, this is a little weird, uh, being on the opposite side here and going <laughs> through all that. Um, usually, uh, usually, I get to sit there and listen to you and, and, and kind of daydream until you actually turn and look at me and say, hey, let's talk. I'm not sure whether I should take offense to that or whether I should just let you pontificate away like I usually, like yeah, you usually let me do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, um, but thank you for coming down here. Um, this is great. Know, honestly, this place... Riverside, first of all, when they opened, I, I came in here immediately. I love barbecue food. Came in here immediately. Love the place. I didn't realize that they're expanding. This yeah. is great. Yeah. I really, it's, really like we this. We are actually, this is a, kind of a landmark day here. We are recording, uh, for those of you that have been down here before, recording on the uh, expansion side uh, as they're kind of taking speakers and, and testing them out around us and moving ladders around. Uh, so, yeah, it's looking like this place is going to be up and and uh, running about a month or so, I think. Honestly, a great barbecue food. I, yeah. it, as soon as it opened, I decided I had to come down. So I've, I've been out a few times, and yeah. it's definitely great. Worth coming down. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you and, too. But well, Yeah, I had to talk about some football. <laughs> I, I hope. I mean, I hope we're going to talk some football. Um, At this rate, if, if we, you know, I go order food, we can talk food the whole time if you really <laughs> want to. Um, you know, here, here we are. I think... Uh, you know, the order of guests kind of had this year um, been mostly coaches, but had Roger Brown on from uh, Union Leader, New Hampshire Football Report, going into week one. Got you here this week. We're going into week six, which is about, I mean, we're a little bit past the midway point. A nine-game season, you know, game five is kind of the, four and a half would be the middle, so I guess game five's the middle. It's about the same. Um, you know, so looking at where we are right now, I mean, are you – we all have our ideas of where teams are going to be. Where they, you know, that's why we do the predictions and all that stuff. Um, are you surprised by anything this year? That may be kind of a loaded question. Wow, that it? is a really yeah. loaded question. Yeah. I mean, you're surprised by anything, and then we're encompassing the entire state, encompassing all divisions. Well, let's start with Division One. What, what surprised you maybe the most in Division One? Dover. <laughs> is, can I can I yeah. summarize it in a single <laughs> word? Honestly, I, I didn't expect them to come out and have some really some good wins. Some really, they just haven't had that in years past, and numbers have been low for them in the past, wow, five years? Yeah, at, least, at least since they switched over to this 2013, to this new format, yeah. And, and watching them and reading about them, I've been really impressed. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to have a championship season, but what I am saying is that I don't think any of us really saw this coming. No, I definitely did not think that they were going to be a playoff team. Um, I saw them myself for the first time last week, you know, and they do have the numbers are up for them. I was kind of surprised by that. I think the last time I saw them, you know, was three years ago when they had 25 kids on the roster, which is just unheard of for a Division One, you know, 
uh, a school with over a thousand kids in it. I mean, um, it's downright scary when it's for for a co- coaching perspective, from a football perspective, to try and have a field a team of uh, you know three phases: offense, defense, special teams. With, I mean, I remember it being looking twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven on their roster. And I get a lot of teams run you know both sides of the ball. They play offense, they play defense. Some still play special teams, but it's one thing to do it. It's another thing to have to do it. Yeah, to to look at them and think that they have gotten back you know to this point at least they're in they're at least in contention for a playoff spot um you know they had been in one before losing to bg last weekend um believe they have uh now i'm gonna space on who they're playing this week some i you know it's not one of the bigger marquee games i think it might actually be uh it's it's alvern it is alvern this week okay it is definitely alvern (laughs) <laughs> yes, be, I know. Uh, yeah, an Alvin grad. How many people picked Alvin to win last week, though? Right here. I, I, I did. did. Yeah, I did, oh, too. Okay. I did, too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a, win- a, a winnable game for them at yeah, home. Yeah. Um, you know, could be 4-2 and two after this weekend, and that's still right in the thick of things because mm-hmm. especially since you've got BG and Portsmouth playing each other on Saturday and North and Exeter playing each other, two of those teams are going to be 4-2. and two. Um, You're right. I just, I you know, going in – I didn't really know what that east-west cluster was going to look. I thought I knew. Mm. Didn't think Dover was going to be there. No, and that's that to me is, you know, when I run up and down the schedules and the just the conference, the entire division, it's that stands out to me. And I think it's a positive, standing out the positive side of things. That's the way, you know, that's the, the good surprises out there. You could talk about, uh, you know, a surprise loss just last weekend for Exeter. In my opinion, I thought it was. Yeah, that no. Well, when you get a team that doesn't have its starting quarterback, right? I mean, there aren't many. There aren't many high schools. There are many pro teams. Exactly. You know, they can survive that. Exactly. Um, I know everybody's a little spoiled up here, <laughs> you know, with the Patriots. But uh, high school teams don't survive those things, no. and yet, there you go. Right. So you can pick those little things, but I think as we're talking about over halfway through the season, Dover has been the pleasant surprise, the one that I've been enjoying keeping keeping tabs of. What's kind of surprised me is um, if you look at the other cluster there, the the north-south one, um, it's been competitive. There maybe have been a few more. I think what, what surprised me is the fact that you have the teams that are Bedford's 5-0 and and then the other teams that are at 4-1, and and then it seems like everyone else is 1-4 and or 0-5, that it's been that much of a separation, I guess. Um, I know Central's 3-2, and Pinkerton's 2-3, and but those are the exceptions. Uh, I, I thought that there would be a little bit more, and maybe we'll see that in the next, you know, four weeks, I think. I think so. I think you hit the nail on the head there because, uh, you know, I said early on, Timberlane, I think, is a talented team. Right. And they're just, it's a tough run of it. Their conference is tough, and the opposite conference that they, they're playing is tough. So going into the season, and really, I think, after two weeks, really affirmed it for me that I think Timberlane is a very talented team. They just, it's going to be a tough year for them based on the schedule. Yeah, Timberlane, Londonderry, um, Concord, I think, has been at times a good team. They just, they seem like a team that can't figure out how to score sometimes. You know, Central, it, again, three and two, but I think how are, you know, they've got Bedford this week, and, and record-wise, it seems like it should be a good game, but, it you know, Bedford's beaten up on them the last couple of years. I think they're still upset about that, you know, <laughs> getting knocked out of the playoffs a couple of years ago. Well, uh, by Central. I'll tell you what, Joe. I saw Central play. They played Merrimack when I saw them play. And now that's, there's another. Merrimack looked better than I expected as well. I know everyone expected them to be good, but they looked great in all phases. 
Central looked lost in all phases when they played Merrimack. And Bedford, I think, is a little bit better than Merrimack. So you're looking at what's going to be a very tough game for Central. Yeah, that, you know, I think as great as that first game of the season, Merrimack-Bedford game was first game of the season, it's almost a shame that, that it was we game started, that it was game one. Um, a phenomenal game, but I think, you know, getting we, we almost have to keep our fingers crossed that, that those two meet at some point in the playoffs because um, I, I think they may be the two best teams in, in the state. Well, I don't want to say the two best teams in the state because, and, and we can get to this later because I have some thoughts on Wyndham. I want to know what you think about them too. Um, but definitely the two of the best teams in Division One, um, and they're going to not meet in the championship game, which is, say what you will about that, but, uh, you know. <laughs> how do you, I mean, this is a quicksand topic, so how do you fix something like that after they've remedied so many other different things in the past? I'm not sure you can unless you start going with those crazy ratings things, which I hate. <laughs> which they're doing in Division Two, And I hate. I absolutely – when you have to bring in it's, – it's like calculating a war in baseball for the professionals. When you have different people who calculate it different ways or you could calculate it a different way, it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it shouldn't work, yeah. and you shouldn't base playoff seedings on it. So they do their best with it. Yes, it's tough when I believe – I agree with you. They're the two best teams in Division One, and they're not. I mean, there's no way. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. And they're that's that's a little. I'd imagine frustrating for. Well, it's frustrating for us in the media. Yes. But I'm sure somewhere there's a parent, a coach who doesn't say it in front of the student players, but in the back rooms is saying this is going to happen to either us or them. Well, it, I mean, you could you could say it happened last year with with Bedford and Goffstown. Yeah. You know, I mean, in in hindsight, you look at how much Goffstown beat up Exeter by in the championship game. Uh, it was a pretty one-sided game. Um, you look at how close Bedford and Goffstown played each other, you know, in their two games. I mean, it was the only game that, that – the only team that, that Bedford lost to, um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, was the only game for both teams. I think I think BG was the only other team for both teams that played them a close game. I they both won other other games by double digits. So you you, know, you could say this has already happened once. It's true. Um, it maybe didn't look like it as much last year. And we we're all we're suckers suckers for the moment. You know we it's, it's, true. it's for what's going on right now. But I agree with you. Last year they were the two best teams, and we got to see them play, and it was great. But you always want to see that great matchup at the highest level, it being the final game, and it might be like you said, two consecutive years that we run into that. But I don't think there's a way to fix that without overthinking yourself. Without going to the rating, leaving it up to the the computers. Which we're um, not. We are not. No, we're not going to the bowl games, the BCS, none, none of that stuff. Let's let's keep it simple enough for a high school kid to be able to figure out where they're going to land. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned it a minute ago. Um, Division two. You've got Wyndham, that is really. Uh, they we won't really. I guess we won't really know just what, how good they are, or or how much ahead of the pack there until we get into the playoffs because they've already beaten up everybody that is in, you know, the 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 top of the South Southern Conference standings. I know they still have to play Conval, I think, the last week of the regular season. Uh, they cross over and play Lebanon. Um, but, for you know, based on some other scores, you know, maybe that's not as good of a game as it originally looked like. Um, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I know I've said it to a couple of other people. I think Wyndham would be a playoff team – I thought Wyndham would be a playoff team in Division One at the beginning of the season. 
I think right now they would have had a shot to be a semifinal team in Division One, Guaranteed a playoff team in Division One, Guaranteed. And I think a strong chance to be a Final Four or semifinal team as well. I, they are extremely talented. And, Joe, we see this from the schools that break off from their from prior their, schools. The others, yep, we yeah. saw it with Bedford from West. We see it with Wyndham from Salem. You want to go further back, how about Campbell from Alvord? Or even further, Sauhegan from Milford. There you go. And it's yeah. just we see it and then they progress and all of a sudden they go from being okay we can only field a jv squad now let's start at a lower division and they just shoot up the ranks and they're great mm -hmm. and for whatever reason a number of these newer schools have done that and they continue to do it they steward this annually this just success and it's really impressive but what makes it more impressive is when a team like bedford does it in a lower division and then moves up yeah, and does, and it, does again. it again yeah yeah well I mean, address real quick the the elephant in the room with that that point too. Is you look at those places we just mentioned: Wyndham, Bedford, Amherst, Litchfield. They're fairly affluent towns. Indeed. You know, there's a lot of maybe opportunities there that some others don't. Um, but you still have to go out and play and win. And and these, I think those towns, and and Wyndham. I'm wondering at what point do people start doing what they did with BG there and start saying, hey, these guys should be in Division One, Or is this the moment? Is this the moment right now that, that it's going to – it'll start? We could be living it. I mean, yeah. last year we were looking at that Wyndham team saying, wow, this is a team that could compete readily in Division One," mm -hmm. And we've done it with a number of teams throughout the years, back, going back when there were six divisions, watching Exeter, uh, you know, moving up, going yeah. from a championship team in Division Two to winless to a championship in you know in a three-year span, championship winless, moving up, and then championship again in Division One, and you'll that pressure will come at some point, and if it doesn't come this year, Joe, I will be fully surprised. I I think that it. I mean, you look at the team that they had two years ago with um, Brennan McInnes at quarterback. I'm um, drawing a blank on a lot of the other players, but they were they were legit high school football players um you know there just happened to be a team in st thomas that was very much uh, close to their equal um gave them quite a game in that in that championship game in 2014 um you know this this year last year uh, maybe more so was kind of a surprise because they lost so much talent but this year i think there's so much depth there um you know the, the game i saw them play uh earlier this year against milford um they brought in their JVs after, you know, as the game got out of hand at the end. And I looked out there and I was like, JVs are just as big as the varsity kids. <laughs> right. I, how does that, you know, there's not many right. schools that that happens at. Right. And that's, you know, you're on the other sideline going, we should bring in our JV as well. But I'm not sure that's the right competitive <laughs> balance here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's and you do it to get them some some reps. But you wonder if you should maybe sell so Let's see how good they're. Let's see what they really have next year. What am I going to be competing against year in year out and you know just like some some of the best teams i watched i watched merrimack earlier and when they ran their jv out it was similar in a sense the quarterback there was the clear drop down but their line defensive offensive line were still similar size now i will say their defensive line in merrimack is kind of small anyway right uh, i think they're more linebacker size yep. which yeah. allows them to fly to the ball which is why i think bedford is a more talented team because you can push them around a little bit but with that said they ran in their JV, and it's, it's what are you going to do? And the best teams have that depth. It goes back to our conversation about Dover. Less numbers equal just 
there's less chance, less opportunity right. to even have yep. that depth. Yeah. So then when you have the numbers, you have more chance of having the depth. And then when you actually have that advantage of saying, you know what, we have a, a you know an all-state quarterback, but behind him is a guy who will be as yep. well at, in his own right at some point. You know, other coaches just kind of throw their hands up and say, what, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Gonna yeah. Do? You know, and, and it, I think maybe the biggest spot, you know, we talked a little bit about the quarterbacks, uh, some of the quarterbacks earlier. And you look at around at, at what are, what there is, at least in Division One this year. You've got Justin Grassini and Merrimack, Connor Robert and Bedford, um, you know, Nick Moquin over in, in Goffstown, who's a senior. Um, Robert's a junior. Grassini's a senior. You got Sean Holland here at South, um, another junior. Carson Webb out in Dover, who's a junior. A lot of other guys I'm not mentioning. Uh, the um, PG quarterback I'm blanking on his uh, name. Sam Rate. Yes. Oh, he's also a junior. Rate. I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing I, him again. I, next I look year. at I look at some of like what some of these kids have done this year, and and it's almost like to be successful now in Division One football, you've got to have like a legit quarterback. Um, you know, you look at Exeter this year, and, and Kyle Ball's a three-year starter now, or two-and-a-half-year starter. I think he came in in the middle yep. of his sophomore year. Uh, you know, doesn't isn't called upon to do as much passing the ball, but he's still, you know, a steady hand in that spot. How, I mean, it almost seems like now in the high school game here, it's as important as it is anywhere else. And I don't think that was the case maybe maybe even five years ago, but definitely ten years ago. Definitely not ten. I mean, can we blame Coach B for this? Can we blame <laughs> Bellevue sure, for sure, this? Sure, sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> you know, it's it was rare ten years ago to see the team that decided not to wing tee it, uh, you know, pack it in, tight formations. It was rare to see the spread out offense. Just ten years ago. And at that time in Sauhegan, Coach B had been doing it for – Almost well, ten that was, years I think already. That was when he that was when he switched over. Was ten years ago, I believe. I feel like he switched over pretty. Yeah, he, it, he was we one. They were one, of the, one, one of the first. They were one of the first. South, I think, was among those teams too. Um, actually, I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, it was Justin Huft from Goffstown that actually got uh, Mike to switch over to that. Uh, was his offensive coordinator at the time, and uh, what a talented know, it, coach. Yeah, yeah, Justin Huft is. Um, and I believe Milford actually switched over for a time being around that same time, kind of trying to figure out how to beat Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> that was Im an impossible yeah. task. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was unheard of 10 years ago, I think. It, it, and 10 years, not a long time. And now you're looking at it, and teams are going to it left and right. Teams are going to it and actually still utilizing both. They're still – you know, you look – go watch Central play, and – Ryan Ray will run a tight package and, uh, you know, with two, three running backs uh, to take advantage of, of his great running game, which he annually somehow always has. But then he'll decide, you know what, let's spread it out, too. Mm -hmm. So he's running different packages, different styles of offense. And yet you will look around the state. There are some that schools that just flat out fly. They're running five wide constantly. And, uh, you know, Sometimes just just four, and when they only have four wide receivers and actually one player in the backfield, I kind of scratch my chin once in a while now and say, "Wow, I'm I'm amazed they aren't just throwing <laughs> just everyone out yeah, there." Yeah. Which, but here's the thing, Joe. We talk about the offense. This has changed the defenses as well. This has changed how how you know you're you need more athletes now. You need more guys that are going to be you know the corners, the the backfield, the DBs. 
because you can't just have the big tough guys who are going to fly the ball and linebacker, linebacker, which I think for years New Hampshire could hang their hat on and say we have some solid linebackers. You can't do that anymore. You 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 run two of them out there, and the rest yeah. of them need to be yeah. DBs. Yeah. You also can't plan on going to a game and being out of there in an hour and a half, two hours, because all these passes, there's going to be drops, clock stops, could be there for three and a half hours some days. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, like we're saying you you are at over at ESPN New Hampshire. Um, I feel like every time I talk to you, maybe you're doing something a little bit different. You have your hand in a little bit of everything I feel like over there. Just what what's kind of been going on over there this this year? Uh, as far as football goes. Well, we love that um, we've been able to bring Pete Terrier, Dave Haley in uh, to do the concentrate on the high school football show. Uh, they're on from uh, 9 to 11. That was, you know, my old time slot. Uh, but when they're here, they're entrenched in it. They're back in the in the locker rooms constantly. It allows me to not have to go see specific games. I can go see whatever I want to now. <laughs> I can go enjoy myself. And I think the best part about what we're doing now at the station is on Friday nights is we continue to, rather than just covering and trying to have, uh, you know, a bunch of people out at different games calling in constantly, they call in updates. But during that, there's a live play-by-play. And uh, Nick Anastas does a great job. I I filled in for him a couple weeks ago in in Merrimack, excuse me, for Merrimack Central. Uh, And Coach B, when he's available and not up there coaching with Conval, he does the Friday night games as well. So... The play-by-play and then constant updates. Every break you hit, you're going to hear the the scoreboard and mm-hmm. every score that comes in, whether it's from Joe, you texting or calling someone at the station uh, or just even on Twitter, uh, any game possible. It's really nice because it's, it's live coverage, it's constant, but it is bringing you a real game. And you can follow all that on the internet. It's really nice, and it's fun to have my hand in a little bit of all of it. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, Saturday show. I, I don't want to forget to mention I'll be uh, joining Pete today, or Pete this this Saturday. Oh, I had no uh, idea. Yeah, filling in, I guess, for Dave. Dave's uh, off doing whatever he, he usually. It feels like every, once every fall, this ha- I get a text from from one of them. Hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Can you come in and fill in for me? <laughs> uh, I o- I always appreciate. it. I enjoy doing it. Uh, it's always a fun time. It's fun, so that means I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, we'll see you Saturday. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Conval there. Co- Coach B joining uh, is part of the Conval staff. They've got an interesting game on Saturday uh, at Hollis Brookline. Uh, don't want to forget to mention this one. Both teams four and one, um, and it's a w- kind of a. I was going over this. There'll be a little bit of, of this on the website tomorrow, actually. Um, just looking at that game and the unique kind of history there, because Conval hasn't had some good years recently but the one thing that they've done is beat Hollis Brookline um, I figured this out of the seven games that Conval had from 2012 to 2015 Conval won seven games three of those were against Hollis Brookline really and one of them was there was in 2014 when Hollis was a semifinal team so this is kind of you know it's a huh. weird kind of game uh, have you ever been over there to watch over to Hollis Brookline have, to watch a game? I have not ever ventured out there to watch a game, so I don't know what it feels like. I don't know, and that's when I do my picks for your for your site. I I try and take that into account, but there's a few schools I just have never seen. I've never attended, and that is one of it's them. It's a it's a interesting place to see a game because it's 
it's not wide open, in a wide open area. There are trees around it. There's a hill off to one side. They now have the press box in there that took them years and years of fighting with the town to get in there. Um, did you ever go to Alvern before they put the bleachers in? I did not. No, box? no. I'm picturing. It's kind of like kind of like that, except <laughs> Alvern's got that one side where the fields just go There's on for fields, days yeah. and days. Hollis has a swamp <laughs> that separates the football field from the baseball field, the soccer field. Uh, and what's really, really interesting is when they bring in the lights for a night game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I w- first night game they had. God, it's got to be about six years ago now. Uh, I don't think they anticipated what was going to happen because there wasn't enough lighting. And by the fourth <laughs> quarter, there was so much fog from the you know the swamp area. It was you know damp. You couldn't see the other side of the field. <laughs> the, the the guy doing the announcing just kind of said. Uh, he takes the ball to that side of the field, and something happened over there because <laughs> I can't see. And it really was. You couldn't see the other sideline. Well, I guess that eliminates any Hail Mary, any deep routes, yeah. any of those types of well, things. Well, as far as we know from over here, yeah, maybe they could have seen it, could see it on the field. i got to imagine officials would have stopped a game where you couldn't see half the field. So I think once you got further out there, but it was just such a weird experience. Mm. Um, but, you know, going over there, I mean, usually, you know, everybody's pretty friendly when you get there. You know, it, it, it's – it's a nice atmosphere to see a game, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, they started. They, they were pretty good a couple of years ago. Um, hopefully this trend kind of continues where, uh, with both programs because uh, I think right. one thing we like to see is different teams getting in the mix and being successful the same, and that's why I think the three divisions is a good thing because it's not the same teams every single year. I am – a huge proponent and I read on your site I, I hadn't read prior to this when the NHIA came out with uh, kind of the future plans for playoffs beyond football and it pretty much said that they're reducing the numbers of teams number of teams in the playoffs I loved it I, I mean it was you know you just reported the facts but I was ecstatic that they decided and I know I get it now someone's not going to make the playoffs. Now uh, one student isn't going to experience the playoffs. Yes, I know in baseball we just saw a 15th seed run all the way an, to the an championship. Eight, eight, 18th, or uh, yeah, an 18th fi- seed. Oh, and there, I right. think got to the semifinals. In yeah, division in Division Three. three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and yep. you're looking at it and going, yeah, but then you know BG got smashed yeah. in the championship game by Bedford, and right, that's nice. It's a great story. But when you have less teams in there, it means more to every team that's in the playoffs. And why I like, and I've been a proponent of the three the three divisions, is uh, for that exact reason. It's It means more. And I know Coach B and I had it out when he first said a conference championship won't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not the ultimate goal. And while I, I get that's not the ultimate goal, Coach B is thinking from the Sauhegan perspective of winning championships and being there all the time. Right, yeah. You go to Alvern, if you win your conference, well, right. Just a couple years ago, I mean. You you get excited. Yeah, you should yeah. be excited because it's not something that happens frequently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that works out um, and what, who's the maybe the first to not realize that and maybe get a little, hey, what's going on here? Why is this happening? But, you know, it it's... I think it's going to make things a little bit more interesting. And, and I think one of the reasons they did it was to kind of cut back on, you know, especially in some cases in Division Three and in Division Four, having teams who win two games, driving three hours somewhere to lose a game by 30 or 40 points, and particularly in basketball. You know, mm-hmm. soccer, you're not losing 30 or 40 points, but, but still. The equivalent. It's the equivalent. You have 12, yeah. 12 goals to none? Well, yes. That's yeah. the equivalent. You know, or you get mercy ruled in softball by – 15 20 runs you know it, it, it happens 
um, is it worth it? You know, it, 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 a lot of people might say that it is, but I think more would say that it isn't. Make the experience special. And just by having the experience doesn't make it unique. By having the experience and having a puncher's chance in the fight, that's what get, makes it special. Saying, you know what, as the 12th seed, I could beat a one seed. It's, it's much more viable that way. It's realistic. It's not realistic with the 16th seed. It's just, I mean, I know we've seen it. We have, I think but it, it's extremely I rare. I think it happens once in a decade. I remember a few years back in softball, Wyndham was a 16th seed and pulled off an upset. And I think the previous time before that was maybe 2005, 2006 in baseball. I can't think of, I mean, there's been plenty of 15s, plenty of 14s, but that 16 and lower is so rare that I don't think it's 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 worth it. Now, will it eliminate those 15 seeds? Beat, in, you know? in, some, in some cases it will because there won't be a 15 right, seed. Right, exactly. So, you know, maybe we might, we might not see, uh, you know, where we just saw in basketball the other, a couple of years ago where both Division One and Two in the same year the, the the second seed dropped uh, mm. to a 15 seed. Now, yeah, that yes, we might lose something there. But if you want to calculate it out, go back to you know all time of 16 teams. The second seed is going to win 95% of the time. Make it worthwhile. Make the playoffs special. When you go in as a 16 seed, it's like, oh hey, we we went to the playoffs. Now you're going to college. Imagine this, Joe. You go to college. You're like, yeah, I, I was on a, a playoff basketball team. Oh really? How'd you guys do? What was your record? four wins i mean come on it's yeah yeah it's not uh it's 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 a tough thing to kind of defend i think you know and fortunately they you know the nhia saw that and made some changes and we'll see how it goes as with everything i think they're doing recently we'll see how it goes and if no one likes it they can always change it back right and i mean i've liked what they've done thus far in football, and I think it, they're indicating that they're always open and willing to try new things, and we've seen that. We've seen the alterations of of four uh, conferences within the divisions to uh, just two, a north and a south. Uh, it's We've seen it. We've seen their willingness, and just the fact that they're willing, and they're willing to listen, and they're willing to try, to me, is, is a great thing for the state. It's a great thing for their organization. It's a great thing for the players overall, in my opinion. All right, I think probably can wrap that up there. We'll uh, say goodbye to Sean Sendall from ESPN New Hampshire. Thanks again, Sean, for, uh, for coming down and joining me. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and come back, and I'm going to have a few minutes with uh, actually Dave Manganello, who is the owner of Riverside, is going to join me to tell me a little bit about this uh, new expansion and uh, when it might be open. Joe, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I'll see you on Saturday. All right, sounds good. And welcome back. I'm joined at the moment with uh, Dave Manganello, the owner of Riverside Barbecue here in Nashua. Wanted to hey there, everybody. <laughs> that's Dave. Uh, brought him in or wanted to talk to him a little bit um, this evening because, like we said earlier, um, this is the first time we're recording on the expansion side of the restaurant, uh, and it's looking like it's going to be done soonish. Well, the typical bureaucratic red tape that's always in the way of these kind of things uh, reared its ugly head at the last minute and we've had some delays but um, it gives us time to more calculated put together the finer details um, uh, some of the DIY uh, decorations that we haven't had a chance to look at we'll get 
a fair amount of time instead of, hey, let's just slap stuff together and <laughs> put it up on the wall. <laughs> um, I know we've, we've, you and I have talked about, you know, you're doing this for, I feel like, forever. Um, it's been, a, I mean, <laughs> yeah. not, not just since you've actually started going and doing it, but, you know, ever since you've turned this into Riverside. Uh, what do you envision, though, when all is said and done? What is your, maybe, picture of it in your head? Well, we've always kind of had the, 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 the appearance of being different than the other neighbors around me doing similar things. But um, uh, Nash was ripe for a lot of spots, and we've always recognized that uh, the market is underserved um, in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to, to beverage programs. Um, we feel like with the effort and energy that we're putting towards this and the team that we've assembled in order to execute it, that we are poised to almost be one of the powerhouse cornerstone places in, in, in town. Uh, we've got awesome location, um, you know, right here on the river, literally with the picture everybody takes of downtown Nashville out my back door. Um, the facility itself uh, is spacious uh, enough to, 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 to hold, uh, you know, a fair amount of people, both seating and standing room. And um, ultimately, uh, we want to pay attention to what the market's looking for or, or maybe set some trends that they don't know are possible. And so um, all of our program food-wise thus far has been kind of, you know, it's barbecue. It's unique to the area. It's different. It's not exactly the same as what you might find in other, other shops around, um, restaurants per se. Excuse me. Um, the beverage program should mirror that. The beverage program really should be something that's unique. We want, and the, the mandate that I've given to my uh, my recent hire, um, a gentleman, Alan Williams, um, who comes from, from some Boston restaurants, uh, uh, we kind of picked him up, luckily, um, just out of the blue. His, his, his wife just had a baby, and, and he's he lives in Nashville, and he didn't want the commute to Boston. He didn't really want the responsibility of being a general manager at a, 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 a unnamed place near Fenway Park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so this is kind of a, you know, he, he's settling in, but, you know, he looks at the, you know, the marketplace out there and there's a lot of places and I've said it and he agrees that a lot of places beverage program is unlocked door, you know, allow people to come in and, and that's about it. Um, I want people to be Instagramming the crap out of everything we serve here, you know, because you can't buy that. You can't force somebody to, to, to go on their social media and blow their mind right. and their yeah. friends minds. Yeah. So, you know, but if you put a little bit of extra effort, you know, into something, you know, for example, spend a couple bucks on, on, on cheeky garnish from Oriental Trader Company. And now all of a sudden you've got a, a, a beverage that sets yourself leaps and bounds apart in a market that isn't really lighting the world on fire. Right, yeah. The fact is, is that the trends, both food and beverage in this, in, in, in this awesome town, tend to be a little stale by the time they get here. It goes from New York to Boston to Manchester to us. Right. Why should Nashville be the, 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 the dumping it ground jumps where, over. It where jumps trends over go us. to yeah. die? Yeah. You know, so um, barbecue is nothing to do with New York or Boston or Manchester, really. So, you know, the, the fact that we do it is, a, is, is, is more because in my upbringing, I was born in Texas and raised in Virginia to a military family, sort of someone was always doing barbecue nearby. So we decided to get into it. And while my, my mother's family is from here, um, you know, this is where my dad chose to retire when he got out of the Air Force. I'm not really from anywhere. You know, I could get a native Texan license plate because I'm born there, but I'm never moving back to that godforsaken place. I love this town, you know. So 
we've always, when we wanted to do this, when we wanted to get into the business, my wife and I said we wanted to be in the corridor from Margaritas to City Hall, somewhere on Main Street in downtown. The environment here is so just ripe for doing things not only as a destination location, but also as a chain in the the, the, the link of, of other businesses that are down. It's almost like a, a food court in downtown. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's so a, it, we can be different and we can maybe trend set or you know at least that's the the, the notion I mean, it's like i don't want to just go well okay i'm a, uh, you know we make a, a decent drink or we make a decent decent you know sandwich or something oh we can relax now everything's great no i, I want all my staff to make a crap load of money and, <laughs> and, and you you mentioned that it's it's kind of like a think of it as like a food court for Ooh. for downtown Nashville, and it really has turned into that with unfortunately the number of non i think restaurant or bars that have moved out of here you know in recent years sure um, and it, which is unfortunate but it's kind of opened the door for something else. I'm, you know, and, and I don't know, I'm looking forward to that. I like going out and eating <laughs> and, you know, right. having some other options when it comes to what I'm drinking. You know? <laughs> uh, well, we've been very craft beer centric, um, sometimes to our detriment. Um, currently, I don't have a single macro beer product available. That's to fine by me. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Everybody uh, I know, knows I'm okay know with you that. Are. Yeah. Um, s but also, if I only put what I like to drink on, I'd be sitting here drinking by myself and probably with you. No, I, um, yeah, I'd be here. But yeah. some, we recognize <laughs> that we want to listen to the marketplace. And so rather than just say, oh, well, across the street or next door has XYZ product, so we need to have XYZ product, we look at what are people clamoring for? And, you know, do they, do they even have a voice? Do they even know? You know, like, do we have... Uh, you know, like a, a plan for when the, the bartender hears, oh, just surprise me. You know, every bartender usually is a little bit sarcastic. And, and generally when they hear that question, go, all right, I'll surprise you, buddy. <laughs> you know, and you give you the bar mat or something. You know, I want my staff and I, I, we've assembled a team that looks like they're going to do it. Um, I want my staff to look at that as almost a challenge and say, oh, I've got this in the kitty. And then boom, it hits the table and every table around looking going, what's that cool thing and how do I get one too? Right. And it's, you know, a double secret, not on the menu kind of thing. And so we're working in, in the shadows right now um, um, with the beta testing of some of the stuff. I got to tell you, I got pretty, pretty <laughs> lit last night at the taste testing of the cocktails. <laughs> and I mean, even the weakest one was like, can I finish this one? So we're, I, I mean, I'm not drinking my own Kool-Aid or any of my other cocktails. I did yesterday, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, this isn't just like self-promotion. What we're planning to put on your table here is it, it, it's going to knock your socks off. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very excited to uh, to see the finished product. Uh, Dave, thanks again for uh, jumping on with me for My a few pleasure. minutes here, and uh, thanks for letting us use your space to uh, to do this every week. It's been, uh, <laughs> I, I been a lot of fun. I hope next time there'll be a few more people few sitting more, around yeah. you in this pretty new dining room of mine, but. Um, I think you found a home here. Um, you know, certainly we like having you here, and 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 I actually kind of enjoy the folks that you've had. Uh, you know, talking to them off off mic, um, having having a good time. This is a this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, like you said having people in here and seeing how that goes. But thanks a lot. You got it.